This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Well, the title of this message is After Death, Then What? Sometimes when I'm talking to someone and I'm listening to them tell their life story and I'm looking for an opportunity to begin to share the gospel, the good news with them, I'll be listening to them and they'll be talking about their whole life since they were a child up to the present. And every now and then they'll stop and I'll say, well, then what? They say, well, I got it in my mind. I wanted to go to college and I wanted to try to do the best that I could do and have a successful life, raise a family. Then I say, and then what? Well, you know, eventually I hope to retire and maybe buy a place down in Florida and spend more time on the beach. Okay, and then I ask them, then what? They'll say, well, well, I guess I'll die. And one more time I'll say, then what? My friend, we need to answer that question. Then what? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. He mentions the word tent, but he's referring to the physical body. He's using this as an illustration. Listen to what he says here. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Verse 2. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, talking about we are in these bodies, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage. I say, listen to this, and prefer to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. I want to ask you this question. Are you at peace with God? You see, when we put our trust where God has put our sin on the cross with Jesus Christ. And we believe and receive him. He comes into this tent. He comes into this body. He lives in and through us. And when we mature in Christ, we begin to find ourselves saying, you know what? I prefer to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. You ever just feel like I'm ready to get out of here? But then the Holy Spirit says, but I have more for you to do. You see, we have a home in heaven. We have these physical bodies, like tents, they're passing away. After death, then what? So the first point I'd like to make is this. All of us have an appointment with death. There's no way around this. We're talking about physical death. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 9 and verse 27 says this, And as it is appointed for men to die, once, but after this, the judgment. And so the Bible tells us that there will be physical death. I want to ask you this. 
How many times have you stood at the hospital bed of a loved one? Maybe your mother or your father, your grandparents. You stood at the head of the bed and the doctors were saying it won't be much longer and they're going to pass. You're having your last words. And then as I have felt many times, their last breath just blow right across my cheek, knowing that they're gone. How many times have you been to a funeral and you walk by the casket to pay your respects and to say a word to the family as people walk by and you looked into their face, a person that you had been knowing for years, had walked with, talked with, listened to, had been friends with, maybe a family member. And you look into their face and it's obvious they're gone. The body's there. The earthly tent, as the Bible describes it, it's there, but they're gone. The spirit and the soul are gone. You say, well, how do you see a spirit? How do you see a soul? Well, let me ask you this. How do you see the wind? You say, well, you can't see the wind. Well, how do you know it's real? You feel it and you watch it blow in the limbs, in the trees. How do you know a person has a spirit and soul inside the physical body? By watching them, listening to them, helps you see what's not visible, but helps you discern who they are and what they are, the real person. You see, the physical body is temporary. The spirit and the soul is eternal. And the Bible is very clear. The spirit and the soul will leave the physical body and go to one of two places, a place called heaven and a place called hell. The Bible is very clear on this, so listen closely. There's the physical death, but there's also the spiritual death. Now remember, you can't see a person's spirit. Remember, we're made up spirit, soul, body. The highest part of us is our spirit, and then the soul. The bodies always last, because our bodies are dying. Our spirit and soul can never die. But there is a spiritual death that we read about in Scripture. It doesn't mean the physical body has died yet, and it doesn't mean that the spirit cannot be alive with Christ, but the Bible clearly says that we're born spiritually dead. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man talking about Adam, we all came from Adam. We're all equal because we all came from Adam. We're not victims. All of us came from Adam. How we think determines what we do, determines what we feel. Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin, three letters, sin. Let me tell you what the world's problem is. Satan is trying to confuse us. The world's problem is three letters. It's sin. People are calling it all kind of different names. Satan's using them to deceive. The bottom line is this. We're equal because we all came from the first man, Adam. And we're all were born sinners separated from God. Spiritual death. That's why we must be born again. He says in John 3, 
must be born from above, must be born again. Just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. The reason our physical bodies are dying is because sin came into the world. So there is a physical death. We're all dying. There is a spiritual death. We're born sinners separated from God. Ephesians 2.1 says this, And you he made alive. You mean we're born spiritually dead? Correct. We can't even commune with God except for the moment of salvation when we believe and receive him. And when we believe and receive him, we're made spiritually alive, though our physical body will still die, our spirit and our soul will go to heaven. Paul said, Ephesians 2, 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. The reason we have to teach a child how to behave, they come into this world knowing how to misbehave. Why? Three letters. S. I-N. Satan is confusing this in these days, and it's going to send many people marching into a place called hell. There's only one way into heaven, and it's through the cross of Jesus Christ. All of us come into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We must believe and receive Christ. There is no favoritism. We're all born dead in trespasses and sins. We can be made alive in Christ, but we must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That is the bottom line story. That is the evangelical message. That is the revival message. So, number one, all of us have an appointment with death. Number two, there are wrong views about death. We've been taught wrongly about death worldwide. Some teach what's called annihilation. That means when you die, you cease to exist. More than likely in this room, there are people who've heard that and desire very badly to believe that because they want to think, when I die, I'm gone, it's over with. My friend, listen, I love you, so listen. It's not true. Annihilation is not true. When you die, there's only one of two places to go, a place called heaven or a place called hell. Listen to what Paul said to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 he said these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power so this wrong view of annihilation that means i just cease to exist it's very appealing because some people want to live high, wide, and handsome, want to party, want to sleep with many men, many women, and they don't want there to be any consequences. But my friend, the Bible says that is not true. You're not going to cease to exist after the party. You're going to one of two places. You could live your own way and not suffer the consequences is what some people think. But the Bible simply does not say that man ceases to exist at death. The Bible says he continues to live, not his physical body, but his spirit and soul lives on. You see, there are many places in the Bible where the word destroy and the word destruction are used, and that doesn't mean that they're annihilated, they cease to exist. 
Listen to what Jesus, Jesus, who is God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And look, Jesus was not mean and angry. Jesus and God the Father, he so loved the world that he gave his life, though he was sinless. He became our sin that we might be made alive in Christ. But you still have to do your own believing and receiving, or you're going to be without him forever. And if you think this is a long time on earth, my friend, listen, when you breathe your last breath, you're an eternal realm that has no clock, no calendar. There is no time. It never ends. My friend, listen, you will never die as far as your spirit and your soul. Your physical body, yes. Your spirit and your soul leaves that physical body of death and goes to one of two places. Listen to what Jesus, the one who died for you and me, listen to what he said about this subject. Mark chapter 9, 42 through 48. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. This is loving Jesus who died on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. These are his words. Verse 43, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell. He mentions the word hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched. Hell is a real fire that never burns out. That's what Jesus is saying here. The one who so loved that he gave his life. The man who was sinless becoming sin so that you and I could be made alive in Christ and have a home in heaven. He's not being mean. He's being serious because of his great love. Verse 44, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. You know what he's saying here? There's no such thing as annihilation. The soul and spirit lives on and on and on. It's never quenched. Verse 45, and if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell and to the fire that shall never be quenched. This is Jesus reiterating what he's already said. And so, verse 46 where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Listen, annihilation, my friend, is a figment of human beings' imagination. When you breathe your last breath, you're soul and spirit are still alive in one of two places. Some people have said, well, what you experience is what's called a soul sleep. A soul sleep. We simply sleep until the resurrection of the dead. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. This does not mean that we sleep in the grave until Jesus comes back. This is Paul's pastoral. This is Paul's tender way of saying, 
we're with Jesus if we're children of God. And he's trying to bring comfort to those who are still alive. He's trying to explain to loved ones about the death of a true child of God. Remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross. What did he say to him? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. So in other words, you're not sleeping in a grave. There's no such thing as soul sleep. My friend, listen, absent from this body, either present with the Lord or present in hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Think about what Jesus said to the Father on the cross. He says, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last breath and he was dead. He didn't go to sleep. He said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Think about Stephen while he was being stoned, and they were watching while he was being stoned. He cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Not that I'm going to go to sleep. Receive my spirit. Today you will be with me in paradise. Put my spirit into your hands. In other words, my friend, listen, when you breathe your last breath on this earth, absent from the body, present with the Lord in heaven, or present with the angels and the demons and all those who refuse to believe in Christ in a place called hell. And listen, he said, Jesus said, where the worm dieth not, he said, there is hell. He said, there is fire. He said, it's eternal. It's what Jesus said. And remember, the one who said it is the one who died, so it doesn't have to happen. Think of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. My friend, that's true. If you're a child of God and you die today, my friend, listen, that is gain for you. It's actually going to be easier and better. But until that happens, you're supposed to be leading men, women, boys, and girls to Christ before you expire. He said in verse 22 of Philippians 1, but if I live on in the flesh, in other words, I'm living on in my body, this will mean fruit from my labor. In other words, you watch what I do, and what comes out of my life tells you if I'm walking with God or not. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But he also had a desire to stay here and work with young boys, young girls people who are hurting because they think improperly because of their moms and dads, helping them find Christ, helping their minds be renewed, which affects their next actions and their next feelings, and they can live a productive life leading others to Christ before God calls them home. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And so, some wrong views about death, annihilation. We just cease to exist. No, that's not right. Soul sleep, well, I just go to sleep with Jesus. That's not right. And then there's what's called the intermediate state. You may have been under Catholic teaching, maybe many years ago, or maybe even today. They believe in what's called purgatory, where you suffer for your sins, and priests and loved ones and friends pray you out of purgatory. They pray hard. They give more money. 
and then eventually you're taken out of purgatory. There is nowhere that's taught in Scripture. Abraham's bosom, the Bible talks about Abraham's bosom, is not purgatory. All this kind of thinking is rooted in human pride. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, Paul says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Simply believing and trusting. You say, what is faith? It's trusting. What is trusting? It's believing. It's like you trusted the chair would hold you when you sat down. You believed in it. You put your trust where God put all your sin on Jesus on the cross. You believe he's my substitute. Ask him to come into your heart, and he does. You have a home in heaven. Your physical body continues to die, but when you breathe your last breath, your spirit and soul go straight to heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. To put it off, the Bible teaches that hell is so dark that you can't see anything. As I've already said, no calendar, no watch, no clock, and it never ends. Paul said, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Third and last thing is this. What happens when you die? The Bible's very clear. For a person who has rejected Christ over and over and over again during their lifetime, the Bible teaches there will be immediate torment. That's what the Bible teaches. So let me pause. Jesus loves you and me so much that he experienced hell on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. So when I read these things that are true from the Word of God, it's not negative in a sense of God's just a mean, wrathful, hateful, angry God. That's the way many people think of God, but that is wrong. That's coming from human thinking. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is your decision. So what happens when you die for the lost immediate torment? What about for the saved? Immediate presence with the Lord. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It's immediate. I've done many funerals in this city for a lot of years now. I've watched these things over and over and over again. Babies all the way up to senior citizens. These things are very real to me that I'm talking about right now. When I'm at a funeral and everybody knew that woman, that man in that casket was a child of God. Loved God. Not perfect in all they did. But when they did sin, it bothered them. That man, that woman, that boy, that girl, a child of God. When you go to a funeral like that, people are happier. They're actually talking to one another. They laugh a little bit, but there's also a serious time and also a sad time. But for the most part, they're not thinking he's separated from God. They're thinking it's obvious this man, this woman, they're with God right now because they knew they were believers while they lived on earth. So that's one atmosphere that I find myself coming into when I walk into a funeral chapel. You can just sense this person was a believer because these people seem to be happier. But then when I walk into a funeral chapel and the person in the casket was an unbeliever and it was very obvious to everybody without Christ, 
there is a sadness with no hope. For the believer, there is a sadness and also joy. For an unbeliever, there is a sadness and there's no hope. It's too late. They're gone. They never believed. With this in mind, ask yourself this question. After death for me, then what? So I want to stop preaching right now. And I want to read some words that Jesus said in closing. Remember, the words that I'm going to read, they're not my words, but the words of Jesus. You know, Jesus, the one who was born in a manger, the one who healed the sick, the one who loved the little children, the one who said to the woman caught in adultery, your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. The kind, loving, compassionate Jesus, the one who died for you and me so we could have a home in heaven and never experience the awfulness of hell. And after I read this, these verses, I'm going to lead in a sinner's prayer. And you can ask Christ to come into your heart. So what I'm about to read, I'm not going to add any words to it. I'm just going to read it straight from the Bible. I will leave them alone. Just read the words of Jesus. I leave them with you. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It's found in Luke 16, 19 through 31. I'm just going to read the words, and we'll end the service. These are the words of Jesus, the one who died for you and me. There was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, 
But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around except the devil. Right now, the words that I just read were the words Jesus said. The Son of God, God himself, both God and man, the one who died on the cross for you and me. He is the one who said these words about what happens after death. If you want to put your trust where God has put your sin on Jesus, I'm going to lead in a simple prayer right now in this moment called time before you die. And you can ask Jesus to come into your heart. You can pray along with me. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I put all my trust in this fact alone. Jesus Christ died for me personally. I believe that. With all of my heart, I ask you now to come into my heart and save me. Thank you now for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.